Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And as always, our show is presented by Mercury Mile. Mercury Mile is fusing fashion and function for runners of all abilities, and it just takes three easy steps. Go to mercurymile.com, enter your sizes and preferences, and they will send you out a hand-picked excuse me, curated box of goodies right to your home. You keep what you love. You send back what you don't. Also, you want to get on their mailing list. If you go to their website, you can go right to their mailing list. That way, it lets you know when they're having certain specials or certain sales or they have a new product line coming out. This is important because the stuff that you keep, obviously, you're going to be paying for. But if you get a box during a certain sale you know, date and range, then those items will be discounted, just like a normal sale if you go to a store. So get on their mailing list, and that's usually what I'll do is that I'll align whenever I get a box, it's usually during a sale or if there's specific items that I think I might might get if I get a box on a certain date, then that's what I do. So it always works well for me. Give them a shot at mercurymile.com and use code ramblingrunner10 at checkout. Save 10 bucks. So also want to give a shout out um, to a race I'm going to be doing in February. So I'm going to be doing the Flat 5K. Yep, it's actually called that. It's called the Flat 5K. It's actually two races happening uh, in Foxborough, Massachusetts. You may have heard of Foxborough. That's where the New England Patriots play. Um, it's also halfway between Providence and Boston. So I know there's a lot of people who listen to this show who live in this general vicinity. I'm going to be doing the Flat 5K that kicks off at 10 o'clock on Sunday, February 17th. And at 1045 is the old-fashioned 10-miler. These are very popular races that have been around for a long time. So I'm going to be doing the 5K. But if you're going to be around or you're looking for races to do, I'd love to meet up after this race. So I'm going to post about this on Instagram as well. And maybe there's a place on Route 1 uh, right you know, right near where the race course is where maybe we can all you know, catch up after the race and uh, you know, maybe get a beer or some brunch or both and uh, kind of enjoy, enjoy the moment. So I'm going to be doing that race. We'll see how I do. <laughs> I'm not exactly in PR shape, uh, that's for sure. But you know, it's the beginning of the year. It's nice to have a race under your belt just to see exactly where your fitness is. And that's kind of how I'm approaching it. So I'll definitely race as hard as I possibly can, no matter my fitness level. And we'll just see where everything falls. But I am excited to potentially meet up with some of you. So that is Sunday. February 17th in Foxborough, Massachusetts. It's just a race that I've wanted to do for a while. I'm excited to give it a try, and I look forward to putting it out on the socials and see what kind of response we get. And then I'll put out a call to, uh, you know, basically a call for call to action to say, hey, this is where we're going to meet if you are interested. So today's episode is with Brendan Carpenter. I wanted to have Brendan on for a while, and I was really excited to interview him a few weeks back. This guy is such a stud and he is going to just continue to get better and better. So Brendan, when he was a little bit before 20 years old, he weighed 350 pounds. He was a big, big guy. That's for sure. Um, And he basically got sick of it. He just got sick of it and just decided, you know what? I'm going to change my life here. And, um, and he did, 
And it's just one of those things where he just kind of went cold turkey and decided he was going to change his life. And he lost uh, so much weight and has become such a good runner, man. So this guy went from 350 pounds. He kind of, as you'll hear in this podcast, it wasn't a linear weight loss, but he ended up getting down to 185 after a bunch of years. But again, it wasn't just, you know, wasn't just, you know, two pounds a week, you know, for three years and then boom, 185. Um, there was a little, some yo-yoing there. That's for sure. But he did get down to 185. And this guy, who used to be 350 pounds, now has a 5K PR of 1916, a 10K PR of 39.55. That's right, sub 40, and a half marathon PR of 129. So he's under 20, under 40, under 130, which is the benchmark for a lot of people that people that places that or paces, I should say, that people want to get to in their running career. And he's been running his first marathon in May. And if his pass is any indication, he'll do well there. Obviously, you never know with a marathon, but I'm excited for him to give it a shot. That's for sure. Also, not only all of those things, and you'll hear this conversation uh, is really good. He's such a thoughtful guy. But he's also a Canadian. Canada in the house. Got a lot of Canadian listeners. I'm excited for you guys to have a little more representation on the show. And Brendan is one of them. So I hope you like this conversation with Brendan Carpenter. Hello, Brendan, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hey, Matt. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you you so much for jumping on today. (laughs) I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. So this is like international week here at the Rambling Runner podcast. Not only are we doing all things, you know, 2019, getting ready to rock the year, but we got Canada today with you. This morning I had the United Kingdom. Yesterday I had Dubai. So I appreciate you coming on. We're trying to go international here on the Rambling Runner podcast. I like that. I'll flare to it. Well, you'll end up having quite a few Canadian listeners to the show, which is always, which is always pretty cool. And I'm trying to expand my horizons into the metric system with my kilometers and kilograms. It's been a tough week for me in math, but I'm trying to get there. Yeah, it would be definitely. I <laughs> so, still don't even know miles from kilometers that well. There you go. See, I was, I was, I was looking at some of your, your personal records and I loved how you had like, you know, like the 42.2 kilometer May in 2019. I'm like, 42.2 kilometer, what's that? And I'm like, oh, it's the marathon. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, hopefully that one uh, comes full circle and put down a great time again for that. But we'll see. Now you I heard have, it's a different beast. Yeah, I mean, shoot, man, you've had a really interesting journey the past five or six years, and I can't wait to dive into it. And just looking at, like, just surface level, you have wonderful 5Ks. I mean, wonderful PRs, like 5K, 10K, you know, the half marathon, you know, you have 5K time of 1916, 10K, you know, you, you just slipped under 40 uh, with the 39.55, and you also have the 129 half. So I know for a lot of people, they like to get to the marathon as quickly as possible. It seems like you've taken your time with it. Um, what was your thinking about, like, when was the right time to start marathon training? Um. Well, it all started after I joined my group. Like the first year that I actually got into competitive running, I just did two halves. Like I didn't really think about the 5K or the 10K. But once I joined this group, he told me, like the coach that I have, he told me that you need a solid 5K to have a good half marathon and full marathon. So I kind of just took it uh, in stride this year and 
tried to dial in those times before I actually went and tackled the full marathon. God, I like what you did there too, taking it in stride. You're like, you're all, you got the, got the wordplay working too. No, that's great. <laughs> so, so before we dive into you know, th- those times, again, like those are some really fast times that a lot of people would like to have. And they certainly are good barometers for what you might be capable of doing in May at your marathon. Which marathon is it again? Uh, I'm going to be doing the Toronto Marathon. Okay. All right. And that's, and you live in the Toronto area? Yeah, just uh, like an hour and a half away from it. Okay. All right. So it's funny. So, it's, so you know you're in a larger place when like an hour and a half away is like pretty close. See, I live, yeah. I live in Rhode Island, <laughs> which is the smallest state in America. And an hour and a half, you can't go anywhere in Rhode Island in an hour and a half. Like in any direction, you'd be leaving the state. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, the provinces are pretty big up here. Yeah, there you I go. Know. All right, so your kind of like athletic journey in a way seems to start when you were in high school. And you've been really open in this past, I should say this year, because now it's 2019. But in 2018, in terms of sharing your journey um, from a weight loss and athletic perspective. So what what precipitated you kind of sharing that journey? And then if you could just kind of start from the beginning um, with us, with, with both the the Canada Wonderland story and then also the, the plane, the plane story. Yeah, for sure. So I was back in, uh, I think my last year of high school, I was getting on a plane to head down to Florida with my parents and I couldn't get the seatbelt done up. And so they had to give me an extra seatbelt and like, I was super embarrassed about it. And I literally wanted to sink back in my seat, but I couldn't because I was just such a large man that um, I wouldn't fit, obviously. And uh, so that's when I kind of like started to realize like I should probably do something about my health. Um, I had always been an athletic guy, but I'd never really taken nutrition into consideration. Like I was playing hockey, lacrosse, baseball, all these different sports. And it was just like I was going through high school and I wanted to do what my friends did, which included drinking and eating pizzas on the weekend. And that's when it kind of just spiraled out of control. And I kind of just gained a ton more weight after I started drinking in high school. And then a few weeks later, after that trip down to Florida, we were going on a graduation trip to Canada's Wonderland, which is a theme park up here. And I was on Drop Zone, the newest ride there, and they couldn't get the uh, belt around me there. And uh, I got kicked off the ride. And it wasn't until recently that I started sharing my story that one of my best and closest friends actually apologized to me. He's like, if I really knew how that or is that that's how you felt about when you had to get off the ride I would have jumped off with you um, but I was like there was nothing you could do about it like I just wanted you to be happy and you wouldn't have known that because I was just gonna keep everything deep down and then it took me a long time to finally actually realize that there's other people that were uh, had the same problems as I did and so I kind of just wanted to start sharing my story on Instagram with a little push from my girlfriend because I was just sharing my running um, successes and I felt great joy from that. But I also felt 
when I started sharing my story on there that I felt even greater joy hearing people reach out to me saying that it's something that had been bothering them or, um, and I didn't actually know that there was that many people out there with the same issues that I was having, like with body confidence. And so it was just kind of neat to start doing that. And that's kind of the reason why I started sharing it. Now, how big did you get um, kind of at the, at, the, at the height of all this? I think my peak weight was 350. Um, I know I went to the doctor's office. And I think the last time that they checked was 320, but I kind of let myself go a bit more after that because I was very upset to see that number on the scale. So I think 350 was the biggest that I got to. Now, up to that point, had there been like times where you, you know, spent time thinking about, all right, maybe I need to like get in better shape. Like you mentioned that you were an athletic kid. And obviously, like, if you go to the doctors and you're 320 pounds and you're in high school, like, did you have an inkling like that things are going in the wrong direction? Or did you have to have like that paradigm shifting moment or moments at the, you know, at, at Wonderland and on the plane to really kind of reset your thinking? I think I had the inkling that I should do something, but it was really when those two moments happened that I knew that I had to make a change for the better. So was it that it happened in a public place versus something that would have been like if it like had happened in like your home, like say like you sat in a chair and you were too big for the chair. Do you think the fact that it was happening in public was something that spurred you on? I think so. Um, yeah, I think if I was at home and that happened, I probably would have just went and got um, another probably butter tart or something and ate away my feelings but it was because I was in a public setting that people saw that I was kind of embarrassed so that's when I knew that I should make the change what about the food itself like that did you find a comfort in and what brought you to the point where you would kind of like look at or look towards food either consciously or unconsciously or subconsciously I should say um for comfort yeah, I just looked at it as I knew that food would always be there. So it was just comforting. And obviously it can't talk back to you when it's going down. But uh, mentally it was draining thinking about eating another butter tart because I knew that I shouldn't do it. But I would just put it straight into my mouth and didn't really care the consequences until those consequences actually popped up when I was getting kicked off the ride and can't get the seatbelt done up. And then for, I know for some people, me included, I can, mm-hmm. when I go off the rails from a dietary perspective, I almost like punish myself with it. Like if I'm going to like go to McDonald's, I'll like go all the way. Go cool. uh, You know what yeah. I mean? Like I'm not going to be like, if I'm going to like sit on the couch and have ice cream, I'm like, well, screw it. Like, you know, screw you, Matt. You're eating the whole thing now. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. You, you, you had some of those moments too. Oh yeah, definitely. And I still do. Like, it's kind of tough, especially over like the Christmas break there. Like I know I went pretty full out. Like I think I had chocolate for dinner a couple of days, like, but it's like a one-time thing now, whereas before it was an everyday thing. Right. And like, you even see that sometimes with running too. It's like, all right, like I didn't get to my run or I'm, all right, I missed my running window. Now I only have 40 minutes instead of an hour. Like, screw it. I might as well not do it. And, like, it's funny because, yeah. like, even now, like, I'll look at it and I'll be like, well, 40-minute run is fine. 
Like, why, yeah. why did I just skip a run entirely? And, like, I have that same issue with eating from time to time. Yeah, like, 40 minutes is better than no minutes. So right. that's why I always find, like, getting out, even if it's short run, like, you did it and you still – it's going to be there in the back of your mind that you know you did it. So so when you – all right, so you had that those two moments. And obviously, like, I feel bad even talking about it on some level because I, I oh, can no only worries. imagine, like – how like that was obviously an emotional time. So when you had that paradigm shifting moment, you want to change. Mm -hmm. What were some of the things that you targeted from a things that you wanted to do and also things that you wanted to cut out or, or did you not think about it that way? Um, I kind of knew I had to make large changes, but I also knew that I had to make small changes to be able to make those large changes. So I first started by, um, uh, it was it was at the end of the school year, so I was going to college, and I knew that the college that I chose, you got a free gym membership with it. So I knew I had to start off there, but I also knew I had to start changing my eating habits. So I kind of eliminated alcohol because whenever I was hungover, um, I would always eat terribly the next day, and even at night uh, that I was drinking because it was just so accessible and easy. So those were the kind of two big changes I had to make. Um, I would cut out usually alcohol for months at a time and then reintroduce it little by little because obviously having a nice beer, a cold glass of, or not a cold glass of wine, a cold beer or a nice glass of wine every once in a while is nice. So those were the two changes that really I think brought on uh, my weight loss. So for you, it was, so it's interesting that it's like very specific because it's, it, it is kind of nice to be like, okay, having domino effect type changes, right? Like I know yep. I have that same sort of thing. So I'm not, not, the, I'm going to compare your story to mine the whole time, but um, like when you talk about eliminating alcohol, it's not just the calories from alcohol, right? It's like, Eric, if you eliminate alcohol, you also eliminate like the late night food binge. And yeah, then you also exactly. eliminate like, the need in the morning to be like, nah, man, I'm not going to the gym. I feel awful. Yeah. So it's like, if you take away the alcohol, then you also minimize the chances of like the other two things happening. Yeah, exactly. Like some of my friends didn't agree with it. They'd be like, why aren't you coming out partying? Or and I'm just like, it's just really hard to stay away from that when you're there. So by just eliminating the situation totally, like it would help me in the long run. Right. It's like those domino effect changes where like you, it also eliminates the need for willpower. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's like, you know, for the same reason, like, Hey, like if you don't want to drink soda, you probably shouldn't be buying soda and put it in your fridge. Yeah, exactly. Cause then it's like, I think, cause it's like all of a sudden you like, you need willpower like in the moment where it's like, like you're, you're drink, drinking with your buddies and they're like, dude, you know, it's like 1130, you're passing like the taco stand and you're like, yeah. who doesn't want a taco at 1130? Like we'd, we'd all be down for that. But like all of a sudden you have to like to say no in that moment, it's going to be pretty tough. Oh, it's so hard. And I think I had to eliminate those temptations to be able to be successful in the journey. And, you know, eliminating alcohol is a tough one because, I mean, obviously if, if someone is an alcoholic, there's going to be you know, very different reasons for doing that. But for someone who's just choosing to do it from a health perspective, there is, especially for someone in college, man, like 
eliminating alcohol can be tough from a social perspective. Like, did you find that at all while you were in college when you were going on these periods where you were eliminating it from your diet? A little. Um, I stayed in my hometown to go to college, so I didn't have to stay on campus my first year, which was probably a big help. Um, I lived like, I think, 10 minutes away from my school walking, but I still wouldn't walk. I would drive because I was just so lazy. But I think by living at home, it kind of eliminated all the peer pressure from uh, the friends that I made there and some of the friends that had stayed back home. So it was a bit easier to say no. And that definitely helped. Right. And I think there's also a blessing and a curse there potentially for some people is that also by staying in familiar surroundings, sometimes it can be harder to start a new habit when you're in familiar surroundings. Like sometimes people go off to college, that clean break can also be a clean break from some, some negative habits. Like, did, That's true. did you find like staying at home, like, Hey man, like there's your fridge sitting right there. You know what I mean? As opposed to like living in your dorm, like they might just be like no food in the dorm room anyway. But like, you know, if, yeah. you, if you're at home, like there's, you know, if you live in a, in a, in a pretty nice place, there's always going to be food available. Yeah. I was starting to cook my own foods, um, uh, which made it a lot easier because I know when they made foods, they were coming home from work and it might just be something quickly for them. And with the, with the extra time that I had from going to college, I was able to experiment a bit more and try out different foods and see what worked for me and what didn't. So I know for them quickly, uh, foods would be like out of a box and processed foods definitely weren't helping me um, before. So I had to eliminate those. And so I think definitely cooking helped me a lot along the journey. So what foods did you start gravitating towards, not only from a health perspective, but from like a taste perspective too? Because obviously if, if you're not, if you don't like the foods you eat long-term, it can be hard to sustain that. Oh yeah. Like I hated vegetables before, but like once I started trying them out, uh, they were actually surprisingly good depending on how you cook them. Like I know a lot of people either hate Brussels sprouts or love them, but Brussels sprouts became a go-to staple for me. Um, no matter how I made them, they always were delicious. So uh, Brussels sprouts, veggies, like all that. I tried to eliminate carbohydrates at a time, but like I became a miserable human being and <laughs> that just wasn't helping. So I introduced them back in, but I wouldn't eat as much as before, but um, and it's also that, and also talk about the, the, the carbohydrate things. I know it's a, it's a popular topic for a lot of people who discuss foods and, um, you know, losing weight, you know, the carbs is like this, like third rail. Like it, it's like it, yeah. as soon as you touch it, like things start to go a little wacky. And the, I think also important to remember that, like, I'm not saying this to you, but I'm not like yeah. saying it at you. Cause you already know this is that like, yeah. not all carbs are the same. And that's not, and that's something that I lose sight of too. Like, like a yeah. potato is not the same as like a sugary cereal. No, exactly. Um, and I think that's what people don't see is that there is healthy carbs and there's uh, bad carbs out there for you. And um, I really stuck to like the ones that were going to be good for me down the road, like eliminating cereals. Like you said, like that was just such an easy breakfast uh, for me 
Whereas now I kind of stick to like a whole grain carb where it's going to be a longer acting uh, carbohydrate and going to fuel me for a bit longer than that sugary cereal will. So like you had to look for like some foods obviously aren't going to work for different people. Like we're all different, obviously. So like it was just kind of finding the carbohydrates that were working for me and weren't working like pasta, like I was eating white pasta and that was not working. So I eliminated that and I eliminated pasta entirely until I think I just started reintroducing it this year as I read a a very uh, good book called uh, Racing Weight by Matt Fitzgerald. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So I really enjoyed that and really opened my eyes to different carbohydrates that you should be trying. And I didn't know that I could still lose weight and eat so many carbs and calories per day. And it's actually worked out pretty well. Like it was a really eye opening book for me. Yeah. I think people lose sight of that. And like, even to the point where like, you'll see certain people again, this is not mm-hmm. to hate on any listeners who do things like this, but it's just, I've, oh, yeah. I've, I've experienced it as well. That like people like, it'll be like anti-fruit because they're like, Oh, yeah. it's just going to turn into glucose and which is sugar. And then you're going to store it as fat. It's like, yeah. there's much more to it than that. Also fruit is not the same as juice, right? Like no, you drink, exactly. like, you drink like some apple juice. It's not the same as eating an apple, which has like fiber mm-hmm. in it. And I'm all bunch of good stuff. And I think that people oftentimes lose sight of that, especially in the short term. Right. Like you mm-hmm. mentioned, like long term, like, you know, like a lot of these things can be really healthy for you. And then also you look at people like like the Kenyans and Ethiopians, like they'll especially the Kenyan population from E10, they eat ugali like as mm-hmm. like the primary staple of their diet. Again, they'll also have a ton of vegetables and that doesn't get written about as much. But like ugali is like is a carbohydrate. And like, yeah, those dudes have no problem with body fat. Right. Exactly. And it's not. Yeah. And as anyone who knows and anyone who's ever tried it, you can't outrun a bad diet. So don't even start with the, oh, it's because they run a lot. <laughs> like if yeah. you have a bad diet, you can't run a lot because your body feels like, you know, feels awful. Oh, it feels awful. Yeah. I definitely tried to do that last month. I, I ran, I think 500 kilometers last month and I actually gained seven pounds <laughs> and it was just because of all the Christmas treats and all the Christmas meals that, Literally, like you can't outrun a bad diet. That's a huge. So you were running seventy-five miles a week, and you gained seven pounds. I think that's that's exactly right, man. Like I hear you. Yeah. I've run two marathons. Again, I was in my twenties. I had like metabolism at its highest level, and <laughs> I gained weight in each one of those cycles. And it was because really? I was eating a ton of candy. Like anytime yeah. I was hungry, like I wasn't planning my food. So what it was it was like I was in an office setting. And there was, like, candy dishes, like, a plenty, And I just, like, would stick my hand in each one. And throughout the day, I was just, like, scarfing candy nonstop because I was so hungry. Instead of, like, planning my food choices, which would have been, like, the obvious move. But I was like, hey, I'm running 40, 50 miles a week. Who cares? Exactly. It's just so easy to stick your hand into that so-called cookie jar. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. Okay. So... So we talked about some of the food ch- food changes you made, which I like how it's like it was pretty simple. I mean, it's not it's yeah. not easy. Lord, no, no, it wasn't rocket science. It wasn't rocket science, but you did all right. So you you made these domino effect changes. You're like, all right, I'm going to start cooking my food. Okay, well then, like that's going to obviously make it more healthy. And like you take out the alcohol. Like, okay, then it's going to be easier to get to the gym, and also you're not going to be having 
like a 2000 calorie fourth meal exactly so what did the transition from a, a physical standpoint look like in terms of the exercise because obviously if you're at 350 like just you know just doing an hour of cardio is going to be tough no matter what you're doing just from like it's going to be a shock to your body and your risk injury and all of that so what did your progression look like from a physical perspective yeah, so like when I first got in there, I was a complete mess. I had no idea what to do. Every little thing that I did, I was becoming so sweaty. And I'm just like looking around. I see all these people just lifting weights so easily. And so that's where I kind of started down. I started lifting weights. That was the first thing that I kind of got into with cardio each day, but not as much. Like when I first started, I did try to jump on the treadmill, but I was so loud on it that I'm just like, I don't want to be stared at. So I'm just going to get in here, going to ride the recumbent bike that doesn't make much noise, lift a few weights and then get out of there. And as I slowly progressed, I saw different changes in my body. And I, I think I lost a couple, I think 20 to 30 pounds quite easily. And I saw that change and I was like, I'm going to get down to 300 because I was going on another trip. And so I got down to around my goal, actually, just by lifting weights and doing cardio. And once I got down on that trip, I felt great about myself. And I woke up the first morning on this trip and I'm like, my heel is numb. I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Like I was drinking again. So I'm like, did I step on something last night? And I had no idea. I had a nurse look at my foot and it took them a while to finally diagnose what was wrong with it once I got back home. But it ended up leading to me having surgery on my ankle. And I was in bed for two months laying there and I pretty much just ate all the calories that I had lost. Oh. Uh, or not all the calories, all the weight I had lost. I ate them all back just by laying there and I not doing any exercise. So what was the injury? I had a cyst behind my ankle that they had to go in and cut out. And it was uh, behind all the nerves and tendons. So they had to cut through some of those. And my heel's still numb, actually, from that surgery. Wow. So did they say what caused it? Uh, they said a previous injury, but I don't remember ever injuring my ankle. So I'm not too sure. All right. So you have like one step forward, one huge step forward. And then, like, mm-hmm. another, like, equally sized step back. So, yeah. once you got back, so once, once you were, you know, you weren't bedridden anymore, were you more motivated to, like, get back into it because you'd seen the results before? Or were you more frustrated, like, I tried this, it didn't work, I don't even know why I got injured in the first place, like, screw this? Uh, I think I was, like, once I had seen those results, it kind of just became, like, um, inspirational to look at myself and then to look back at the weight that I had lost. So when, like when I was looking at those pictures on the trip, I'm like, I definitely want to get back to where this was like, and I felt good about myself. So I like, right when I was able to, I think I hopped right back into the gym and started strength training again. And once again, it quickly shed off. And I think like, it was just like such a great feeling that like, I was starting to work out like seven days a week, which I 
found out later that was not very good for my body. Um, so like, I think I hit a plateau for almost two years once I got down to around 260 pounds and it was just like, it was so disappointing. Like, even though I had lost all the weight, it was kind of a deterrent now that I'd just been sitting at the same weight for two years. So I started working out even harder than before and still nothing would change. And that kind of became a sad point on my journey. Yeah, I mean, working hard and not seeing results is, like, so demoralizing, yeah. right? I mean, like, it's one thing to not work hard and not see any results. And you can be like, well, you know, it sucks that, you know, like, I'm not a success, but at least I know why. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, then, like, the opposite experience, like, here I am, all this willpower, I'm working so darn hard and not, and not seeing any results for such an extended period of time. Looking back at it now, what were the the stumbling blocks uh, that, that that stopped you from from continuing that momentum? I think I was working harder, not smarter. So I would never take a rest day, and like because I'm like, if I eat this, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to work out this much harder. And so if I had put something bad into my body, I would work out for that extra hour. And so I think I was just like working my body way too hard for what it should be. And I became mentally and physically exhausted. And I think that's what stopped me from actually continuing to lose more weight. And when, and when you have exhaustion like that, did you feel like all of a sudden your diet started to get worse? Cause oftentimes like when you're tired, usually willpower is the first thing to go. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like it was just, so easy referencing back to the hand in the cookie jar just to, when you're tired just to go up and grab those easily accessible cookies instead of preparing that meal for yourself so that's what I'd start to do and I mean I would hate myself again not necessarily hate myself but regret eating the quick food instead of the healthy alternative because I knew uh, like I remember like eating that extra butter tart and how bad I would feel back in the day that eating these cookies kind of made me feel the same way while I was at this new weight and new time in my life. So you were kind of in like a negative cycle on some level, oh. right? Like you're working super hard to the point of like, you're pretty tired and exhausted. All of a sudden you're losing your willpower. So you're eating things you shouldn't which is forcing you to work even harder to try to burn it off, which is then making you even more tired. <laughs> and like yeah. around and around we go. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like a complete cycle. And like the other thing was like, I was looking at around in the gym and like, I knew I was working harder than so-and-so over there, but he's got more muscle now than me or, and that was also the other disappointing thing. Cause when you work harder, you think you should be the super Jack guy and about, uh, less than a year but that's not really how it works and I didn't really understand genetics where some people can do things a lot easier than others and that was also the reason I would get depressed again with my weight was seeing me work harder and them not work as hard and 
but realistically I had no idea what they were doing in their spare time with their eating. So I kind of had to come to the realization that I may be working harder, but they may be doing something different and their bodies are different. So it was kind of that cycle again. Also, it's like that whole like long-term versus short-term. Yeah. Right. Like you're seeing it now, like you've been doing it for six years and all of a sudden you have, you know, you have these running PRs, which are really, really good. And if someone came to you and was like, Hey, I've been working hard for three months. How come you can beat me in a 5k? You'd be like, dude, I've been doing this for six years. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so you, you brought up the emotional and mental side a couple times. So when you did find yourself struggling with confidence or being self-conscious or, you know, just being down in the dumps generally, did you have people in your life that you were able to lean on to help you in those moments? Um, not really, no. I usually kind of bottled things up and kept them to myself. It wasn't until I met my current girlfriend that um, that I allowed myself to open up to her about things that bothered me. And she's actually the reason why I kind of started sharing was she allowed me to see that other people may be struggling with the same issues that I had. So it was nice to be able to finally bounce something off of her and have somebody close to um, be able to share my struggles with. And she's had some struggles of her own. So it was nice to be able to relate on some things. And that's when I finally started being able to talk about my problems was with her. So and did you, did you, could you connect either in the moment or after the fact, you know, successes in your life, kind of getting off that plateau to some of that, like, you know, being able to relieve some of the emotional baggage that you were carrying? Um, a little bit. Yeah. Like, um, she was the reason, like I was able to like, she made me be able to get up in the morning because like. I was excited to be able to go see her and um, because I never really had that connection before. She was like my first like serious long-term girlfriend where like I was before I was embarrassed to have anybody around me because I was kind of nervous about them seeing my loose skin and stuff. And she was kind of um, the person that was able to make me like, start learning more about my body and learning to like let go of things. And so she was just like a great inspiration for me, both mentally, physically, and both through a spiritual connection. Yeah, that's huge. You know, that, and that's one thing that oftentimes doesn't get talked about necessarily is the idea of not only, you know, achieving certain you know physical metrics like oh i'm getting stronger i'm getting faster i have more endurance it's like you know the fact of the matter is like you mentioned like when you lose a lot of weight like Mm -hmm. the 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 loose skin component can be a hard thing whether it's like someone like yourself or say it's someone um who's given birth who all of a sudden like you know maybe like the skin doesn't come back the way it used to i know stephanie bruce who's you know one of the best runners in the world talks about this all the time You know what I mean? Like she's like as fit as you can be. And like, you know, here's a woman who like has been very open about it. And so you have people from all walks of life and abilities who it can affect. So when you talk to people or if someone's interested just about like 
getting over that self-consciousness, whether it's like, like you mentioned, like the loose skin or yep. like going to the gym. And, and you talked about earlier, like you were at the gym and like you kind of leaned more towards the weightlifting because you were self-conscious about doing the cardio. Like mm-hmm. what is your advice to people who are struggling with that component of trying to right the ship, but are hitting that roadblock mentally? Um, well, like, there's going to be good days and bad days with it, no matter what I think. Like, I know personally, some days I feel really great about myself and I walk by the mirror. I'm like, oh, damn, I'm looking good right now. And then there's some days I walk past a mirror and I still see myself as a bigger guy and I get disappointed about that. Um, but I think you have to take time with it. And I think time does heal everything. And I know for myself personally, I've been kind of weighing the pros and cons of getting skin removal surgery, but that would kind of take me away from what I love right now, which is running and physical um, endeavors. So like you have to look at it from the pros and cons, but I think for me to talk to somebody else about it, um, I think just you have to be comfortable in your own skin like no matter what um there's going to be tough periods um but i think if you can find that happy medium where you really enjoy yourself and uh are happy about it i kind of get choked up about it sometimes still because it's still like pretty it's not like like I lost the weight like not too long ago, like the actual extra part of the weight that I've been looking to get down to. And so it's still pretty like close to me and it's hard to explain sometimes how I feel about it. But I think, yeah, you just, it'll come a time where you be comfortable in your own skin, even though I think everybody should be anyways. Yeah, and I think oftentimes we can assume other people's judgments um, in a way that aren't isn't necessarily reality. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, there might be people who are at the gym who are jerks for sure, but yep. oftentimes they're like they're just trying to do their own thing. <laughs> you know, like they yeah. they really don't care who's on the treadmill. You know, three no. treadmills away, or you know what I mean, like. You know, even exactly. if like, you know, so it's like, it's easy for us sometimes to like judge ourselves in a way where like, you know, like I, I said this happened like on a track where like, I'll be doing intervals and like, I feel like I'm like, you know, a pretty fit guy, but like, yeah. I'll be running next to somebody else. And it's like, Oh shoot, man. Like there's Molly huddle. Like I gotta get out of here. <laughs> like I live in Providence and she trains here. I'm like, I don't want to be on the track when Molly huddles on the track. And it's like, well, she doesn't care. You know no. what I mean? Like who I think I am. Like she, this person doesn't care about what I'm doing. You know what I mean? It's like almost like there's like this self-consciousness that's almost self-centered in a way where it's like, I'm not the center of this person's universe. They don't care. Like, no, exactly. like there's, there really is nothing stopping me from doing this besides this like fabricated judgment that I'm pushing on somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I totally know what you mean there. Like um, not too many people ever came and said anything negative to me while I was at the gym. Like there might be, like you said, the odd jerk, but there was more people that, noticed when I started to lose weight, even when I didn't see it and they would come up and give you that extra little compliment 
like you're doing well, keep it going. And those are the people that kind of kept me going when I first started out. There wasn't yeah. really any reason to be self-conscious. Like that's a mental hurdle that took me so long to get in the gym was being self-conscious. Yeah. And I can just say it like personally, like if you see somebody who's like obviously busting their butt in the gym, like it's yep. motivating. Oh, exactly. Like if I saw somebody, no matter their size, like obviously working really hard relative to like their ability, like it's mm-hmm. cool to see that. And I think that's part of the reason why, like, you know, if people like this show, that's part of the reason. Cause like they see people who like they can relate to who like are doing cool stuff. Yep. So it's like, it's like, sometimes it's easy to like get on ourselves. Like, Oh, like I don't fit in here. I got to leave. But it's like, if you can go in, kind of put that to the side and like go kick some butt, like, if anything, people are going to be like, Hey man, like great job. Like you're going to get a lot more positive feedback than negative, I think, but it's hard to get yourself there mentally sometimes. Exactly. And I find that you're going to get more positive comments, um, in person. Whereas where I was kind of scared to start sharing my story was online because Mm. there is tons of people out there that can go anonymous and start giving you the gears online And that kind of deters you from doing that. So that's why I kind of was kind of nervous to start sharing my story because there is a lot of negative people online, but they would never come and say that to your face. (laughs) So what what has been your experience sharing your journey? Uh, It's actually been really positive. Um, I've had two main negatives so far. Like I love when people reach out to me and say that I've been an inspiration for them and little did they know they've actually kind of been an inspiration for me along the way. Um, So when I get those positive comments saying they love me sharing my journey, whether it's in um, a comment on one of my posts or even just sliding into my direct messages, it really like um, inspires me to keep sharing my story and, looking for the next thing topic to talk about online because some people are kind of scared to share that story or their story actually. And so it's nice if they can relate and have somebody else kind of share theirs and go through the same battles that they're going through. And so I've met a ton of great people online and it's been a really amazing community of people, both in the weight loss community and runners uh, both. So I've really enjoyed it and I definitely don't want to look back now. Yeah, for sure, man. And besides you got a marathon in May. You can't look back. You got to keep it moving, dude. You got five months to train. Exactly. Um, So so let's get into the racing because your racing times are super fast. Yeah. And there's a lot of people out there who are like, they dream of breaking 20 in a 5k. They, they dream of breaking 130 in the half or 40 in the 10k. Like you're there, dude. Like you're there. And it seems like you have a lot bigger goals than this. So when did you start going from, Hey, I just want to lose weight to being like, Hey man, I want to be a competitive athlete. Who's like doing some really good stuff out here. Well, I kind of lucked into it. I was sitting there around Christmas or just after at work. And I'd entered a draw online that uh, uh, was for a free entry into a half marathon. And it was in my hometown. So I just entered anyways because I was bored at work and I liked entering contests. (laughs) 
which don't tell my mother. She, hopefully she's not listening. She's my boss. The, the, the politics of the family business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I entered it and I was sitting there one day and I heard over the radio, it's like, Brendan Carpenter, you are the winner. And I had no idea what I had entered. Well, I knew what I had entered, but I didn't know what it was for. And so I called in. They're like, this is, uh, you've won a half marathon entry this coming February. So it was Christmas time and there's not a lot of months to train between Christmas and February. So that's, uh, I had been running a bit because my girlfriend got me into it. She did a half marathon in May and that's what inspired me to start running. So when I got this entry, um, I don't think I had been running that long, like distances. I think I was only up to like 10 or 12. And by the time May or February rolled around, I had got up to 18 kilometers. I think I even ran like 15 or something silly the day before my race, because I had no idea about tapering. I, I was just out there doing it for the fun of it. And I lined up on the race day and I ran, I think, a 134.58. Whoa. And I, when I crossed the finish line, I was so surprised. Like, I was pretty emotional. And the other thought I had was I'm never going to run a marathon because I first step after I crossed the finish line, I think my adrenaline wore out and my whole body started cramping. So that's when I first started realizing that maybe I could start running quicker times. And So, so what year was this? This was, sorry, this was uh, last year, actually. Okay, all right. So you've been putting in about four years of work. Yeah, I didn't start running until about three years ago. Okay. And that's, I think, the first year I ran, like, I think almost a 1,000 kilometers in total. I was keeping track. So I had, like, a good base under me, like, nothing too spectacular, but I knew going into that so that was 2016 that I had a thousand kilometers. So going into 2017, I had a little base under me to be able to run this uh, half marathon. So, so um, this is see this is interesting because this is the point, right? Is that yep. you built such a long term? Maybe not by this might not have been how you drew it up, mm-hmm. you know, six years ago. But you had such a like a long term like step-by-step focus were like this half marathon. It wasn't like, you're like, Hey, I want to lose some weight. I'm going to sign up for a half marathon in two months. You know what I mean? (laughs) It was like, you spent years and years and years building down to this. And then when you ran this half marathon, again, it's like, you didn't have a a typical training cycle, certainly, but you also had three years of building to it. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think all the building up to it, like led to, the frust not frustration but the being able to run it like just on pure adrenaline and just being able to think back about the whole time I was running like my whole journey like to get to that point and it was just an amazing feeling to cross the finish line and yeah because it, you must you, you know, shoot 134 like you obviously you I don't know how big the race was but you must have beaten a lot of people that day yeah, I came, I think, 32nd, and I came third in my age group, and I was like, so I got an extra medal. I'm like, whoa, this is pretty cool, like, getting two medals at one race, at my first race. I'm like, maybe I want to do this again, but it, 
actually kind of took me a while to actually sign up for my next one because I didn't want that feeling of that first half marathon to wear off ever. Oh, interesting. You wanted to like, you were, you were worried that like you were going to have like a, a disappointment after this huge high that you'd had. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So what was the, so when, what was the next race you chose? So I ran last fall, I ran, um, Scotiabank Toronto waterfront marathon. And it was kind of sad because my girlfriend had gone to Australia for seven months. So I didn't have her emotional support there. Um, but she stayed up all night watching it. But when I got there, I ran it and I started to cramp up, I think with 400 meters to go. And I stood there for like, yeah, I, I think seven minutes. And it was just like such a letdown, like, I crossed in an hour 37, which is still really good. And like, but I was so disappointed that I didn't set my next personal best. So I never even shared with anybody like that. I had ran the race. Really? Yeah. I was kind of embarrassed that I didn't actually set another PB. Like I thought all races had to be PBs. So I was kind of really sad about it. Yeah, I mean, obviously that must have been so incredibly frustrating to literally be looking at the finish line. Oh, it was, it was <laughs> being able to move. So, I mean, my goodness. Well, I mean, at some point, like after the fact, yeah, you must be able to look at it now and be like proud of like, hey, man, like I got into one thirty half marathon shape, obviously, because like you were yeah. four hundred meters from the finish line, which is like normally you know it would take you about what you know ninety to one hundred seconds to complete at the end of a race. And, like, you're there, like, on the cusp of having, like, this wonderful time. So, obviously, you trained really well for the race. So, when you had some time to reflect, were you you able to put it into that context? Um, It wasn't actually until this summer when I started um, sharing my story online that I was like, maybe I shouldn't be, like, embarrassed about that. Like, not all races are going to be perfect. Like, they're not going to go as well as you hoped. And there's going to be things that pop up. So I'm just like, eh, I can't be disappointed now. And you can use every race as a learning experience now that I've found that out. And it's kind of nice to reflect now on it. And it was cool to run the race again this year um, and just enjoy it a bit more instead of um, trying to race as hard as I could, even though I still race as hard as I could, but I took in more of the atmosphere instead of, trying to make it all about a personal best. Right. And I think the other thing here too, is that like, you obviously have some genetic gifts to be able to like, you know, first race out one thirty four. Obviously you were building a long time into the yep. year before you'd run a thousand kilometers, which is great, but yep. also like 620 miles over the course of a year is good, but it's not like the stuff that like running dreams are made of either. No, exactly. So, so you, you definitely had some talent there. So, Moving forward, what are some of the goals that you're setting for yourself and how far out do you set them? Um, well, typically for every race, I kind of set three goals. One's like an ultimate goal that I'll have. And then one's like a goal I'll be happy with. And then one's just a baseline goal where I'll be happy, but I won't be happy. It's Well, like I'll be happy. But uh, I think my long-term goal right now is to uh obviously boston qualify 
Um, but we're going to see about that because, like I said, the marathon I heard is a whole different animal. So that's like a three-hour marathon is what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, for me, for my age group, yeah. Yeah, man. That's tough, right? So you're thinking like, are you going to be running a – obviously, you're, you're certainly more than capable of doing it. I mean, you've, you've had the times to prove it. Um, obviously, you keep improving. So are yep. you going to be doing any like any races before May just like to test fitness or just to get, get another race in? Yep. So I have um, a half marathon at the start of March that I'm going to be doing. It's um, called the Chili Half up here. So hopefully it's not too chilly that day. And then the next one is at the end of March. It's called Around the Bay, and it's a 30K road race. And I think it's one of the oldest in North America, if I if I'm saying that correctly. That must be absolutely freezing. So you're going to be running along the water at the end of March? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it's quite interesting, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, it shouldn't um, be too bad. Like, I mean, that's, there'll be a nice progression from 21 to 30 and then 42. Um, I'm going to look to try to see if I can fit in my hometown one again, maybe just run it as a training run, but it's the weekend before the chilly half. And that's the one I'm most focused on. So um, I do love running in my hometown. It's great atmosphere and it's always nice to get some of your friends to come out and see different people along the route. Yeah, that's for sure. All right, man. Hey, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. And want to dive into the questions we do at the every at the end of every one of these episodes. Um, yep. When thank you're you, on a run. Oh, of course, man. I was excited to have you on. That's for sure. Um, it's been a long time coming, I think. Yeah, exactly. So when, you, so when you are on the run, are you rocking headphones or no headphones? Um, a little bit of both. Uh, racing wise, um, I've started to go no headphones. But uh, racing-wise and in group runs, but if I'm on my own, I'd like to rock headphones. I love rocking the uh, Aftershocks ones where it's bone conduction and it keeps my ears open. The first couple times I wore them, I was actually scared because I heard people honk at me. And that was like the first time I've heard people honk at me on the roads. So I jumped a little bit, but I kind of like a mixture of both, to be honest. All right. So when you do have them on, what are you, what are you listening to? Um, depending on what type of run I'm doing. Um, if it's a long run, I like going with a couple podcasts to keep, um, the tempo down a bit slower, um, until I progress. And I usually put on some nineties music sometimes we'll say. And then I also like Latin music. Um, my girlfriend got me into that. So it's a nice little way to get your uh, feet moving and go to the rhythm of the beat. And, All right, I gotta find. I gotta know. I gotta. I gotta jump in to see what yeah. '90s music you're talking about. Uh, I love the Goo Goo Dolls, um, Tragically Hip. That's a big Canadian band up here. Um, Our Lady Peace. Uh, what else is there? I don't know. I just put it on the Spotify playlist that just keeps playing hit after hit. It's called like '90s Frat Barbecue. I think it is. <laughs> '90s Frat Barbecue. Yeah. All right, I gotta check that one out. <laughs> Yeah, so it get, keeps me moving out there. All right. So what is your favorite workout from a running perspective? Um, lately, I've been loving tempo runs. Um, I like 40 minutes or the 2 by 20 minutes. Um, but I don't mind uh, 
six by eight hundreds. I hate six hundred meters. I don't know why, but that's one of the ones I hate. But either I think the Temple runs my current favorite right now. Just getting those longer runs in for the marathon. So, so what are you running those at now? What pace? Uh, I think a four minute pace right now. I think the other day I ran a four oh four pace for forty five minutes and okay. So that was kind of my, not close to my threshold for my heart rate, but it was up there. So it's nice to see the heart rate start going down as I progress through these, but it kind of went up last night after Christmas. So, so that's about 620, 625 per mile, roughly, I think is the Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. All right. It's funny. So you're doing that, which is funny because like looking at your 10K PR like that's pretty much you're almost like right on it I mean you're yeah. not like training at at your former 10k PR or your current 10k PR yeah it's pretty crazy to see like I've started running uh well with my running group but there's a man who's running for the Tokyo Marathon and so I've been he's been looking for somebody to run a bit longer with on weekends so I've been going out and doing 36 with him weekend after weekend and I definitely noticed an increase in my endurance starting by doing those. So it's been kind of nice that it translated over to the temple run because I used to despise the temple run, but now I really enjoy it. Yeah, you and me both and despise <laughs> the temple run. I got, maybe I got to start running 36K in the weekends and maybe I'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I noticed our running group gets a little bit smaller on Thursday nights for when it calls for a temple run. So, Oh, that's classic. All yeah. right. So if you could run only one more race for the rest of your life, but you could run it every year, what race would that be? Oh, that's a tough one. Like, I want to say Boston, but I've never ran a marathon before, so I'm not sure how my legs are going to respond to that. Um, so it's like, so it's like the bucket list and – so it would be like two questions in one because normally I do bucket list next. So for you, it's like if you could run bucket list every year, you think that would be the, the ideal? I think so. I mean, it's the kind of the holy grail of racing. Um, but – I'm not too sure. I like, honestly, even though the course isn't great, I love running my hometown race. Um, it starts a bit later. It starts at noon. So you can just wake up in your own bed and just head out there. And you got friends and family out there. And it's just amazing the support and the atmosphere that you can get from running in your hometown. So I know it's kind of a cop-out answer, but I think running my hometown race would be awesome to do every year and what's the name of it it's called the it changed this year it was the ymca peterborough half marathon but i forget what it changed to this year okay all right last one yep who's your dream running partner who um um maybe that's a tough one so many good choices out there. Um, maybe right now, um, Capoje, I think. Is that how you say it? Who? Uh, Ulid. Who oh, set, yeah. Elia yeah. yeah. Kipchoge. Yeah, there we go. That's there you go. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would be amazing to learn off him. But it would be just amazing to see him run in person. Like, that is insane to run what was it two hours and 30 minutes or 30 seconds yeah yeah oh. we did the breaking two documentary yeah. and then he ran what 21 30 at berlin 
Yeah. Um, oh be, man, going going with Kipchoge, not not Cam Levens to to you know breaking uh, Canadian yes. hearts everywhere. That's true. Um, that's actually <laughs> now that you say that that would be a good choice too. Um, another guy I actually ran at the same race as him was. Um, oh, why am I forgetting his name right now? Um, another famous Canadian. Um, Jonathan Greenwald. I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Run the six. I'm just messing yeah. with you. <laughs> oh, he is a famous Canadian. Because he got 10,000 followers on Instagram now. Something like a, that. Yeah. I know he, he's a friend of mine, and I saw him busting you up on a recent yeah. post you had. <laughs> yeah, he's got uh, he had the Garmin feature, I think, the other day. Yeah, no, he'd be a fun Canadian to run with. Um, there we go. Um, uh, sorry about that. No. Sorry, man. All right. Hey, I appreciate uh, you coming on. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And I'm excited to see you kick some serious butt in 2019. You obviously have a, a great lead up to doing so. So thanks a lot for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and being able to talk with you. It was pretty great. So I really appreciate this. All right. Have a good one. Thanks. You too. Thank you again, Brendan, for coming on the show. Also, big shout out to our sponsors today. As always, Mercury Mile and Megaton Coffee. You can save on both sites, mercurymile.com or megatoncoffee.com by using code RAMBLINGRUNNER10 at checkout. I love both of these services and these products and these lines because, first of all, you don't have to think, right? You just say, all right, I'm going to get on the monthly coffee list. I'm going to get on... You know, order like a box every season from Mercury Mile. And then as easy as that, you're running around literally and figuratively in your life. The last thing you need to be doing is running around for coffee and clothes. And this just makes your life so much easier. That's for sure. So also just want to give a shout out as always to the fact that I'm now coaching athletes. So if you want me to be your coach, first of all, I'd be honored. I would love it. Coaching is something that I love to do. I used to be a college basketball coach, and I'm so excited to now have some runners that I'm coaching. And it's really is it's funny. I get more excited for their runs than I get for my own runs. And it's not that I dislike running. It's just so exciting to be part of someone else's journey. And if you want me to assist you in yours, you can just go to lowellrunning.com or go to the link in my Instagram profile. Lowell is L-O-W-E-L-L running.com. I'm part of the Lowell Running Company. You don't have to be Massachusetts. I do this remotely, but if you want to give that a shot, I would appreciate it, and I'm sure you'll be happy with what I can provide you because it's all about that personal connection. It's all about listening to the athletes, and hopefully if you listen to this podcast, you know I love listening to athletes. That's for sure. So thank you so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it, and happy running.